Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everybody. After my last podcast on the bad worker, a friend said I should do an entire series on F safety. So I decided to do one more and share some of our discussion and some reflections I had. We were talking about how F safety is something we both have heard numerous times in our career. In all of our experiences, the person wasn't saying F my personal safety. They were saying F how safety is managed here. Maybe it was a trade partner thinking about how the GC manages safety or the GC thinking about how the client or corporate manages safety. But in all cases, it was never about the worker and their personal safety. They did not want to get hurt. F safety was always said in the context of how safety was being managed. As my friend and I were discussing this, we started to talk about how poor safety management can actually increase risk tolerance in workers. When they perceive that safety is managed in a dumb way, it makes them more willing to accept risk. What a paradox. When organizations with great intent manage safety poorly, they unintentionally increase the risk tolerance of those that they are trying to keep safe. People don't dislike safety. They dislike how safety is managed. When they perceive that some zero-tolerance rules are actually dumb, especially when the rules are more directed at minor injury prevention, they end up thinking the organization is misfocused or just unaware of field realities. They often think management isn't focusing on what is really important. Some of this is related to thinking those enforcing safety requirements don't understand the work and what could really get someone killed. This disconnect increases risk tolerance since the focus is more on minor injury prevention instead of the greater hazards that the workers know the most about. They spend more time dealing with safety rules that must be obeyed instead of talking about and working to resolve more serious issues. All of this creates greater risk tolerance in the workers. Many times I've heard workers say that safety will make sure you are following the PPE rules, but they will completely miss serious hazards right in front of them. They miss these more serious hazards because they don't know enough about the work being performed. They just know the rules. Those closest to the work know the most about the greatest hazards of the work. If we want to prevent death, we must spend more time learning from workers and less time telling them what they are doing wrong. So I wanted to share a couple of F safety experiences with you and some thoughts on how to prevent these issues. In one recent example, an electrician was observed not wearing all the correct arc-rated PPE for performing energized work. A general contractor safety rep observed all of this, took a picture of the guy, and then stopped him from doing the task. The worker responded with F safety. So obviously, this created a big stink for the GC and the electrical contractor. But if we look at this from a system perspective, NFPA 70E, which covers requirements for energized electrical work, requires a permit process that is approved by another party. 
If we observe a worker not wearing all the appropriate PPE for energized work, then that tells us our entire system failed. Focusing on what the worker did wrong doesn't teach us how our systems and culture allowed this scenario to occur. There's so much to learn here. If we are willing to learn, instead of berate the worker for doing it wrong, we could actually repair the system flaws that allowed this situation to even happen. If we were fully compliant, a permit would have been filled out explaining why the work must be done energized. This is actually difficult to prove, and the client and GC have some ownership here. The voltage, work process, appropriate PPE, work boundaries, all of that would also have to be listed on this permit. Then it would be sent to a higher up as a peer check for approval. If we ended up with a worker not wearing the appropriate PPE for energized work, then somehow our entire process died along the way. Learning that is much more valuable than taking a picture of someone doing it wrong. Where and why that system died is much more valuable information than getting frustrated with what the worker said while being photographed doing it wrong. If we think that this is a singular bad worker issue, then we're kidding ourselves. Even if he was a loudmouth, disrespectful bad worker, it is also true that our permit process failed, our peer check failed, our approval process failed. Our recheck that the energized work is being performed properly failed. All of that failed. I don't know why this particular electrician said F safety, but being photographed before stopping a high-risk task could be part of the explanation to his behavior. It would be good to investigate if this is normal to take pictures first and stop high-risk activities second. If it is normal... We have some deeper problems to address. If this is a gotcha game safety culture, I could totally understand why a worker would say F safety. The gotcha game alone brings to light a system problem. Do we have safety people who think their job is to hide around corners and catch people doing it wrong? If so, we didn't train and develop them properly. And that's on us. That is not the fault of the worker. I often hear new safety people tell me how they caught someone breaking a rule. Our job is not to catch people in the act. Our job is to learn from workers what the greatest hazards are in their tasks. Our job is to learn where our systems are failing. Then we need to work together on how to best defend against these hazards. This is just one example but it points to reasons why saying F safety can make sense to workers. It's not F my safety. It's F how you are managing safety, judging me, taking pictures of me, and not engaging with me. There's also a potential that F safety could be related to how the permit process failed. Either way, we need to learn deeper before immediately judging the workers the problem. Here's another one. This weekend, I was at a get-together and ran into a friend of mine named Dave. He's a straight shooter. He's the type that unapologetically tells you exactly how he feels with no sugarcoating. 
He's older than me and been around the block a few times. He's a union guy, and he's worked for some of the large mechanical contractors and some of the bigger projects around town. So I was sharing my reflections with him, and he shared a few F-safety thoughts as well. He was telling me about a time when he couldn't access some work he needed to do without climbing through a ceiling with no fall protection. He called on the site safety guy to ask him what to do. In this particular case, he said he couldn't comply with their fall protection rules unless someone came in and built a scaffold. He said he could get the job done, but to do it according to the rules, it was going to be time-consuming and costly. He then said, whatever you want me to do, I will do. The safety guy responded with, I'll go away for an hour and a half so you can get the job done. Then Dave proceeded to chuckle a little and said, yeah, F safety. I feel like I've heard that story over and over again in my career. When management is challenged with a costly method of compliance, they respond with some version of, I'm going to look the other way. While doing so, they unintentionally influence the worker to take greater risks. The worker then normalizes risk a little more. They become more risk tolerant. Safety when cheap or convenient is another way I've heard it phrased. This next one's very similar. A sprinkler installer is in a predicament. He needs to install pipe and the ductwork is in the way. All he has is a scissor left. He tells the project manager that the only way he can do the job according to the rules is to either cut the ductwork out or have a scaffold erector set up a large scaffold to get around the duct. The project manager responds with, I'll take the safety guy to lunch and we'll be back in two hours. In other words, get it done before we get back. Once again, safety when cheap or convenient. You know, the unpleasant truth is that safety has to be affordable. We can't go out of business in the name of safety. No organization is willing to go bankrupt providing safety equipment. And due to the unique nature of construction, there are times where there just isn't a good solution that fits the budget. At the same time, these scenarios where work doesn't go according to plan or where serious injuries or fatalities are most likely to occur. It's normal for a lot of safety people to talk about the buts and what ifs. What I mean by that is you will often hear a safety person say, but one major injury could cost this company dearly. It could ruin our EMR rate. We could get a high OSHA fine and lose some of our major clients. They're right. That one bad accident can cost a lot of money and destroy profit. The problem is that that is the late, uncertain, negative type of reinforcement that is the weakest of all when trying to reshape behavior. And we have to find some way to do safety and lessen the risks in a way where we can still make a profit to keep the doors open. Humans are risk takers by nature. America is a country built on taking risk. Risk is in our DNA. When we try to manage from a rule-based methodology, sometimes complex work just won't fit that rule. When we beat people up with rules, then look the other way because we can't come up with an affordable solution, we actually influence people to keep breaking rules. We influence them to get better at not getting caught to avoid these useless conversations. 
And we also increase their level of risk tolerance. So instead, we should create a more positive reinforcement with safety. We need to engage workers, asking them what the greatest hazards are in their work. We need to ask them what they think are potential solutions. We also need to ask them when our current safety rules aren't feasible to follow in the real world. I've been thinking a lot about some of the concepts shared in Do Safety Differently by Conklin and Decker. One concept is flexibility within a frame. They talk about how the greatest amount of regulation doesn't come from the government. It actually comes from private industry. It's an interesting thought. It's normal in American culture to complain about government rules. I'm sure there may be a rule or two that comes to mind for you. But in the context of safety, I find it is true that private industry overregulates more than OSHA. Call it all type C as an example. That's a normal policy for several contractors I know, but that's not OSHA's policy. That's a self-inflicted policy created by private industry. I don't want to bore you with all the OSHA regulations, but something that has always bothered me about call it all type C soil is the lack of flexibility in the policy. Vertical hydraulic shoring isn't allowed in OSHA's type C or C80 for you trenching experts. However, hydraulic shoring is a wonderful safety system, a defense when you have utilities perpendicular to each other in a trench. It fits around utilities a lot better than some large rectangular shaped trench box. When we overregulate with call it all type C, we are actually saying no to some great protective systems that may fit that work better. Do we make people more risk tolerant when we do this? Do the workers already have a cost-effective solution to a safety problem that they are now told they are not allowed to use? Will they take shortcuts because of this overbearing rule? Some contractors say they're flexible with the rule. They give you an option of hiring a professional engineer to come to the job and classify the soil for you. If you pay the exorbitant cost of hiring a PE to classify the soil, then you have an out, but at an extreme time-consuming cost. Why can't we give contractors some flexibility within the frame? Is there a lack of trust here? I had a mentor early in my career that worked for OSHA. He's retired now, but he taught me a lot about the experiences he had. He once told me something that I will never forget. He said every trench fatality investigation he conducted, he never witnessed a death where the workers misclassified the soil. He said in every fatality, they just didn't do anything to protect from the cave-in. All of this to say, why can't we have flexibility within a frame? What is wrong with you can implement any trench protection measure that OSHA allows? Is there any evidence of death occurring because we allowed that flexibility? I'm not aware of any. To make sure I'm clear, I'm not saying we should look the other way when workers misclassify soil. I'm saying I have no evidence that using OSHA-allowed systems for their appropriate soil types has ever caused a fatality. Here's another thought. 
In Do Safety Differently, Decker and Conklin talk about how new research is showing organizations with zero injury policies are having more fatalities than incident-tolerant organizations. In other words, companies with low recordable injury rates have more fatalities than companies with high recordable rates. In our own culture change work at ProSafe, we've often found that incident rates go up when companies really put the work in to improve their safety culture. The reason why? People are communicating more openly and freely. When organizations demand zero incidents, they get what they want for a while on paper. The workers tend to hide injuries because of the fear of punishment when they have one. When organizations are air tolerant, they learn more and better defend against the major events that have yet to occur. So all of this to say that F safety is a sign we aren't managing safety well and we aren't learning well. Workers don't hate safety in the context of not wanting to get hurt. They hate the over-regulated, inflexible crime and punishment method of managing safety. When you hear F safety, you might be triggered to think you have an anti-safety saboteur, but maybe they could actually teach you something that would really improve your safety management. We need to spend time asking workers about how we manage safety. What zero tolerance rules are impossible to follow in every scenario? What are the most serious hazards you face and what should we do about them? F safety is an opportunity to learn. So back to my friend Dave. In one of our conversations, he was asking if I'd heard of the latest, greatest safety app for managing safety. I forget what the name was and no disrespect for apps, but as he showed me what it could do, it was all a means to manage paper. He could do his JSAs, toolbox talks, inspections, hot work permits, all that safety paperwork stuff we put on workers. I facetiously asked, so it's all about paper? And of course, he responded with, yeah, F safety. If we go back to Dave's story of climbing through the ceiling without fall protection while the safety guy walks away for 90 minutes, I'd like to propose a hypothetical. What if it was handled differently? What if the safety guy said he would go talk to management about it? What if he offered to help? What if he at least stayed there as a spotter, even though it couldn't be done in accordance with the rules? Full disclosure, I totally recognize I'm hindsight biasing here, but what if he stayed with him? If anything, he could be a second set of eyes, warning him of things in his way, watching the door so others don't come in and startle him. Heck, he might could even push a baker scaffold around underneath Dave as a catch platform. But if he did do that, if he did help, would it change Dave's F-safety attitude? Would it change Dave's risk tolerance? If we did the really hard work of seriously thinking differently about how we manage safety, would it diminish the F-safety attitude? I believe it would. There's a long history of crime and punishment blame the worker safety management. Changing this perception takes time and intentional hard work. But if we do this work, I believe it will change worker attitudes about safety. We might even find 
It improves risk tolerance to hazards. Individual behaviors are influenced by leadership and culture. If we play gotcha games with safety, hiding and taking pictures, we influence workers to get better at hiding hazards from us. Inflexible, zero-tolerance rules influence workers to think we don't understand their job. When leaders look the other way, when safety becomes difficult, time-consuming, and expensive, they influence workers to become more risk-tolerant. When leaders look the other way, even if they aren't saying the words, their actions are saying F-safety too. Leadership can unintentionally create F-safety attitudes in the workers. If we aren't going to change the way we manage safety, then maybe we should all just say F-safety. But a better alternative would be to use F-safety as an opportunity to learn. Hope you all have a beautiful week. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.